0: You're listening to Pod.
1: Welcome as we, Portia the Lifelong Fan and...
0: Amanda the First Time Reader...
1: Discover the books of Agatha Christie.
0: We are sisters who live on opposite ends of the U.S. Doing a quarantine project and who love to be soothed by British murder mysteries.
1: In this shithole of a moment in history, it's nice to have Poirot or Miss Marple solve it all. welcome to poirot pod welcome everybody to poirot pod which is actually featuring poirot
0: it is this week and it is one of the most famous poirot stories yes oriented
1: press right and you know i we've said this before but not recently obviously we're going to be spoiling the plot it's um one of her most well-known ones but uh, we're going to spoil the plot pretty plot. if you
0: haven't seen one of the many movies or read it yet we will give away the plot which is ingenious
1: well and it's interesting because you know Roger Ackroyd and Orion Express i kind of see as two opposites because in Roger Ackroyd um oh wait um there's another one that she does too which uh is also but like in Roger Ackroyd the narrator did it
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in
1: this one everyone did it right and it's one of those like because when you're reading a regular detective story um and somebody gets killed in this one it's very convenient that the person who's killed is evil and awful right um but uh when somebody gets killed who's evil and awful then everyone has a motive And so it's like, you know, you have to figure out which one. And you've you've kind of made that comment before. That what's typical of an Agatha
0: Christie, there's a ton of characters and they all have a motive to kill the terrible person.
1: And then you like have to go, hmm, which one? But in this case, it was literally all of them. Including people who you wouldn't even have thought were part of it because like the conductor of the train. Right, so, but let's set the scene, and again, if you were given this away, but the
0: murder right. is, as a reminder, if you don't remember, or if, you, if it's new to you, it's a fun story. I mean, fun in a murder way, but:
1: So the, like so it's a train, and it's called the Orient Express, because it's going over Asia from uh, Istanbul to um, Paris. I mean I know that
0: Praro was on his way to London so it's going yeah it's going from east to west
1: right um and it's the middle of the winter in so imagine we're in eastern Europe basically in the middle of eastern Europe Hungary Czechoslovakia what was back then Czechoslovakia you know what I or whatever it was 33 so it was before World War II so the lines were different but you know it's the middle of the winter in Eastern Europe and it's a train heading from um Istanbul through Eastern Europe up to Western Europe. Right. So hence the Orient Express um uh, probably because in this case Orient was just meaning east which means like it sh- why wouldn't it say west. But whatever um that's the point. Right. Western bound Orient Express, I guess. Yeah. So um, anyway, and then usually in the middle of the night, nobody's on this train, but somehow it's packed and it's packed with people from at least to these guys' minds, people from all over the world. But basically right. that means Western Europe. Um, yeah, there's
0: a Swedish person and
1: Italian, uh, um,
0: um, Italian and an American lady and a German woman
1: and Hungarian. Mm hmm. And a couple of um, Englishmen, uh, French. Mm -hmm. So so it's full of people from uh, Eastern and Western Europe and America. Right. And they do the thing at the beginning where somebody was like, you know, look at all these people. And they're just randomly together, thrown together like you are on a trip. And then they'll leave and they'll never see each other again. And they have nothing to do with each other. And if you've ever taken a trip, You've probably had that thought where you're just like, this is so random. I mean, back pre-COVID times when one could take a trip, but like so random where you're on a bus or a train or a plane and there's people from all over. And for that short period of time, you're all in the same place at the same time. And then you all go different places. And that's kind of one of the magical things about travel. Mm -hmm. But then it turns out that they weren't all there randomly. They were all there as part of a direct plan. And all of these people from all over all had something to do so they could commit this murder.
0: Right. So the guy, so in the middle of the night, this American guy, so first this American guy tries to hire Praro on the train. He sees him and he's like, you know, I know who you are. And of course I had fairly recently seen the Johnny Depp version of this. So I'm picturing evil Johnny Depp.
1: Although Um, the book describes him as old much older like i or maybe uh, is it just me that still thinks of johnny depp's as a hottie? Yeah, johnny depp
0: uh well it- mm, again this is maybe the gay speaking but
2: honey johnny <laughs> depp, mm. <laughs> 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 but okay. uh
0: he approaches proro and under an assumed name and he's like what's the what's the assumed name he's under ratchet ratchet so he goes to Praro and he says I've been getting death threats, you know, I need your help to solve it or protect me or whatever and Prowrow had noticed him before and said I don't like his face, he's a bad person bad vibes and so he tells him to his face, no I don't like your face, he literally told him no
1: because I don't like your face face
0: and walks away Yeah, he just was like bad vibes off this dude and didn't even try to placate him so
1: that night he dies right, and the the other important thing that happens is the train gets stuck in the snow. Right. Cuz they were supposed to be arriving in Italy going through who knows what's um east of of Italy. Um but they were supposed to be arriving in Italy but they didn't make it because snow. Right, cuz they were in a snowstorm. Right. So they wake
0: up and they're they're stranded in the snow and dude is dead. And, and- um go ahead
1: and stabbed and he's super stabbed (laughs) (laughs) well and and
0: like he's super stabbed in a way that like last time super stabbed was like one vulcan precise stab and this one he's been stabbed literally 12 times 12 times and the doctor on board it's like seems like a right-handed person but wait it seems like a left-handed person a strong person no a feeble person a sharp a short person no a tall person like how can one person stab so many different kinds of ways so that's our first clue that there's multiple murderers
1: and there are only because it turns out the doctor is one of the few people who wasn't involved right um because and we know this because he wasn't in that coach because basically um all of the everyone in
0: the coach except for Praro, Praro.
1: Because there's a a guy who works for the train company and a doctor, but they were both staying in a different coach and the coaches were locked at night. Right. So his friend, is it book? Yeah.
0: So Praro's homie,
1: he wasn't in on it.
0: Cause that's like, that was Praro's close friend. Um, And like, you know, he was, so he wasn't in on it because like you said, he was staying in a different coach. So everyone in that coach, except for Praro was part of it. And it was interesting because Paro starts to figure it out even earlier when he says you would only see this kind of mix of people, you know, all the different nationalities and stuff in America. And so, like, that was kind of his first clue. Like, this is a little bit too random how many different people from all over are, like, in this random car in Europe. And so what um, Paro finds a partially burned paper that refers to um, uh, Ratchet as Cassetti, or refers to the crime that he committed in America. Yeah, it was I think basically it was
1: like the Daisy Armstrong or the Armstrong. Yeah, case. so they
0: sure to the Armstrong case. So years ago in America, Ratchet, whose name was Cassetti at the time, was part of a kidnapping conspiracy, and they kidnapped this baby girl um, from a well-to-do family, and when you know they and it was like a a record a that they did over and over where they would like kidnap a kid and then kill the kid and then keep bilking money out of the family until they gave it up but they actually killed the kid so this was a very famous case
1: and then because and it this, was such
0: a horrible crime
1: and then um the wife who was pregnant dies because she's heartbroken and then the- she gives
0: birth to a stillborn she dies Then another person, who a a young woman who's suspected of it, kills herself. Right. Suspected in being complicit or of giving away information that somehow led to this, she kills herself.
1: And then somehow the guy, her, the father died. Oh, he shot himself. Yeah, he shot
0: himself because tragedy upon tragedy. Because his daughter's dead, and his other daughter's dead, and his wife's dead, and it's just it was just the worst. And then Cassetti, because of his money and connections, gets gets off.
1: And, um, so, yeah. And so as soon, now this is one of the things that, uh, figures it out that he was the person who had done it and then, um, starts interviewing all the people and it takes a while everybody claims they've never been to America
0: or the Americans claim that they don't know anything about this. Like everybody's sort of covering the fact that they're connected to this case at all. But in this, I would say, because in the past couple books, we've kind of been down on Praro. And I think this book is the redemption what of can- <laughs> Subtitle for the episode, the redemption of Hyukuro. Because I feel like his, his, his gut feeling of guessing works really well like this shows like he's like okay this person would have been the cook this person would have been the driver like using both stereotypes which he does and and you know but also some of those things are true what roles are available for certain ethnic groups in society right and then and then you know just his his intuition he uses his guessing and then he uses his way of sort of like speaking with authority to people even though he's guessing, but making it sound like he knows and getting them to confess, like I think in in this book, you get him as like a master detective, and you know, like you're just like nobody else but him could have figured this out, and he's very nuanced, and this book made me like him again, yeah,
1: yeah, and I feel
0: like maybe this this book was like Agatha liked him again because <laughs> Although you know like
1: such a different tone than. The last one, you know, it's so serious and kind of. You called it fun. I don't know if I would call it fun because did I
0: say fun? Definitely not fun. I'm sorry. That was the wrong. That was definitely the wrong. I guess it's it's a good mystery.
1: Yeah, it's a good mystery. It's
0: a really good. I guess like you know what's what's fascinating is the plot and the twist. You know, like you said, it's the opposite of a of a Roger Ackroyd.
1: Um, but it's also like, um the whole thing is sad because it's based on the death of a child and trying to find justice for it. Um, and so it like, uh, that part's sad. And then when you realize the incredible amount of trouble that the people went through, but you know, what happened was that there was this this scrap of paper that was found, um, in the guy's room who died that said Armstrong. And then Paro was like, "Aha!" and he figured out who it was, you know, and if it weren't for that scrap of paper, they probably would have gotten away with it.
0: Well, and, and then the real twist is they did get away with it. Like, and this is one, again, like when it comes to her nuance as a writer and the sort of like the murderer dies or like, how do we deal with justice? At the end of the book, um, Prabo brings everybody together, including his you know the people, all of the passengers and the like the doctor and the his friend book, who's you know worked for the train company, he brings everybody together and he says there's two solutions to this case, and he says the first one, which is sort of like a hard to believe version because of the snowstorm, like man snuck on the train he dressed up as a conductor, he stabbed the guy and he snuck off the train before the snowstorm happened in the timeline that's not really realistic based on what they know. Right. And so his friend Book and the doctor are like, uh, I don't know, that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, okay, you want to hear my other solution? And that's okay. where he gives the truth, where he explains that basically each of these people went into the room and stabbed him one by one when he was already drugged, so, you know, so that they wouldn't know exactly who was the killer. And to, to like throw off the thing. And he's like, based on who he is and the fact that he killed this child and other children and that these people were basically, you know, exacting justice that he escaped from. And he's a terrible guy. And then he says to the room, which solution do you want? And the, everybody agrees that solution number one is a solution. So basically they do get away with it. And I think it's interesting because it's like, like you said, it's not happy. You you don't get off like, yay. It's like the kid's still dead. Everything's still terrible. And all these people now have killed a guy, but he's a guy like if anybody you want to have killed. And so I think it's interesting in that because like you said, if, if there hadn't been that scrap that said Anderson Armstrong, um, Poirot wouldn't have figured it out. Um, and so, you're right. He, they could have like got off so that they it never made any sense. Um, but I still think he might have got there because there was enough signs that like, he, you know, like he he just figured out that they must have been connected somehow. But the Armstrong was a big clue. But I do think I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they didn't take it to the police. And in this case, I was like, I you know, as the reader, you're like, yeah, seems like the right answer. Like, am I going to put all these people in jail? That because basically, like, there's a one of the most comical characters is this like brash american woman and again it it, it really to be you know th- came full circle as you know we were talking about the way she writes americans and this one she's got this obnoxious american woman but turns out she's a regular american woman playing the part of an obnoxious american woman she's the actual mom of the mother of the baby who was kidnapped who died and she was here getting revenge for her daughter so and she was an actress so she's playing this ridiculous um caricature of an american woman (laughs) when she's actually a classy american woman and Um, she
1: she's the one who kind of planned the whole thing and what's interesting is uh i forget who played her in the the most recent version you keep talking about johnny depp what's funny to me is you mentioned that because he's the guy who was killed and so he spends most of the movie he's not there anymore but, you know, Kenneth Branagh. It's honestly a, the only image I remember from it. I haven't watched it, it is r- recently ridiculous. enough to remember anybody else's face, even though like you're right, he's Br- barely
0: in it because he's dead.
1: <laughs> Kenneth Branagh with his ridiculous mustaches. Oh, it is Kenneth Branagh. Leslie Brano. Odom Jr., who they, what the story itself, nothing happens. I mean, there's no action in the story. Like, there's no chasing. There's no nothing because... they're snowed in in a train they're snowed in and the murder in a train car they gave him um drugs to knock him out and then stabbed him so the murder is not particularly like a lot of action so and then they interview everybody once then they talk about it then they interview everybody again then they have a big group meeting and that's the whole story like that's it you know and in between you're right
0: it's all dialogue you're right you're And
1: right. there's like one meal in between you know like um and so there's a meal before the death and then the death then they interview everybody there's a meal then they interview again but so <laughs> in the movie the most recent movie they threw in a like fight scene between Praro and Leslie Odom Jr who is playing Arbuthnot Oh and really and do you remember this? They were like chasing No, each I don't other. remember
0: the movie very well. I saw it was been. I don't know well, how well it's years Leslie ago it came Odom out, but...
1: Jr. You know who's like awesome, and so uh, anyway, uh, who's playing the same role that Sean Connery played in the '74 version? So, um, but anyway, there's a but they threw in this like chase shootout scene, which you know they threw it in because they probably were like, wait a minute, we can't. Have this entire movie with no action in it at all <laughs> <laughs> so um, but anyway uh, and because uh, it's it's just mostly getting to know every single one of these characters and who they, oh, said they is were. the doctor that's in who the, he plays in the movie, he's a combination of the doctor. Um, but in the book Arbuthnot is just the colonel who is like um Armstrong's best friend um uh, okay but in okay. the the most recent movie um i think they combined those two characters Arbuthnot and Constantine
0: okay okay
1: but uh yeah so yeah cuz this is 2017 when they did it so um yes yeah, so they, they call him Dr Arbuthnot in the book it was Colonel Arbuthnot anyway Um maybe i haven't seen it maybe i've just
0: seen the trailer for it and that's why i'm picturing Johnny Depp cuz i don't remember any of this so maybe i just saw the trailer <laughs>
1: <laughs> So but you know what's interesting is um the 1974 movie that has um Albert Finney plays Poirot. But Sean Connery plays Arbuthnot. Lauren Bacall plays Mrs. Hubbard. Anthony Perkins, as in Psycho, plays McQueen. Um, Jacqueline Bissett is in it. Vanessa Redgrave is in it. She plays Mary, the governess. Ingrid Bergman plays the Swedish uh, lady. I mean, she is a (laughs) Swedish lady. Um, so it's like so many people who are these, um, amazing actors. Oh, Michael York was in the 74 version. So it's like everybody. And then when, um, uh, I love how we're turning into this film one because it's a oh, criticism one, but the, the most recent one, Johnny Depp, Michelle Pfeiffer, Penelope Cruz, Judy Dench. Okay, I
0: definitely haven't seen this with these people. This is why I can only picture Johnny Depp. I've seen just like maybe the, the oh, trailer. Have, I have okay. not seen it with all those people.
1: Oh, because I saw it like twice. I saw this in the theater. Well, this again, was- this was pre-COVID. I was into in Agatha Christie. This is all <laughs> true. Leslie Old. <laughs> I would have remembered. Daisy Ridley. Um, Josh Gad.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, Olaf? Mo- uh,
1: Josh Gad was McQueen. And then Willem, I don't know
0: many actors' names, but Josh.
1: Yeah, yeah Olaf. And Willem <laughs> Defoe. Um, and so like again, what they did this is they brought in huge amount of stars for this so that it wasn't just like all these characters, side characters that we're getting to know and like are they but it was like every single one of these characters is a famous actor, right? They Yeah. So you would, uh, you said you don't know car- actors' names, but like you, I mean, would like recognize- Judy Dent, I know. <laughs> um, which you know, what's funny is they had Judy Dench playing Princess Dragmiranov. Which the one thing in the book is that every time they mention her, she was an old, rich, uh, Hungarian? frail Hungarian woman. I can't remember yeah. what her was but anyway, they every time they described her, they described how ugly she was. They, they did the,
0: and that she yeah, she was ugly and frail,
1: but they used the word ugly so much they did and it was, and it was nice. one of those things where I was like, you know, I don't know why we I mean like I don't know, it was it's just an interesting so when Judy Dench was approached to play this lady, I'm thinking, right, was she thinking, you know, thanks." <laughs> So, Wait. So, who plays the American mom in it? In the most recent one, Michelle Pfeiffer.
0: uh see again, Michelle Pfeiffer frozen in time for me. I'm like, but she's 47.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> a <laughs> Mrs. Hubbard could have been for 47 because. Her younger daughter had only just gotten married, and her older oh, daughter. Oh,
0: okay. You're right. You're right. Because we don't know how long. In my head, this was like happened a long time ago, but maybe. No, this it is, only this happened
1: has... three years before.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So again, maybe this is just like the way I pictured in my head. She was older than that, but you're right. That would make sense. So then she could have been 47. Totally makes sense. So Michelle Pfeiffer, also, also... who's probably older than 47 now. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. How old is Michelle Pfeiffer? Born in 58. Sixty-eight, seventy-eight.
0: Yes, <laughs> 2008 you guys are missing this but she's using her fingers i'm not even pretending to do math i'm just i'm just watching her math
1: so she's 62 63 this year okay right so um right, so
0: she's so yeah but i honestly okay yeah so she is the right age for the role the no right matter age. what but but also she's just so classy and so Michelle Pfeiffer and like the in the way that the person she's just played this obnoxious American who's just like won't shut up and is very you know like
1: my daughter says this you know it's interesting because uh, in the 74 version that character was played by Lauren Bacall and it was the same thing where she's just over the top and um, I can imagine as an actress that must be a fun role to play because you're yeah. You're playing an over, top of, uh, over the top American woman who's like complaining about tipping, complaining about.
0: Complaining about foreigners when you're traveling. Right. When like complaining about the things being the way they are. would like, why? Just be in America if you want things to be. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right.
1: Right. So <laughs> you spend most of the time um, uh, frustrated with this character until you find out that she's that that's actually not who she is right and uh, that's why again like you know with
0: our, with our criticism or just observation of the way that Agatha Christie has written Americans and some of these things and again I tend to conflate the reading you know the audio readers choices the voice actors choices with uh, with her writing but again like I thought it was such a good use of that again like kind of that obnoxious American trope and then it was a more sophisticated person than that using right. that trope so so, what, I I really like the book.
1: Oh, really? And I think I liked it. It's kind of in the middle for me. I know we haven't talked about the Porsche scale in several books. We've forgotten. We need uh, to catch up on that, by the way. Because, you know, why didn't they ask? Evans is one of my go-to, like, favorites. Um, whereas this one, it's... Yeah, I don't think I would reread it
0: a lot. Because once you know the secret... There's not a lot more to do. Like it, it's a little bit sixth sensey in that, where you're just like, okay, you read it once to find out, and then go back to be like, oh, those are the clues they dropped. And I think it's so well constructed the way they drop the clues. Once you know, you can see it. Right. Like, it's one of those like that kind of a twist, but it's not so interesting in the writing that you want to like, and or fun or lighthearted or anything. Like, no, it's still dark. It's still about child murder and then revenge murder. So yeah, I can see like wh- well, why
1: yeah it's not yeah. your
0: fave, but it's it's a it's such a smart mystery.
1: Yeah, and you can see why this is the one that's been interpreted like so many times. I mean the two movies I've been talking about, like were big releases with all the big stars, and then like of course the Suchet proro series did a version of it. Um, there's I think at least two or three other ones that were like um, TV movies Um, but it's just interesting because Agatha Christie adaptations aren't necessarily always big screen adaptations right and
0: this many stars too like you said this is to be as recent as 2017 with that much star power like it still has a lot of staying power Um, because it's such a like you know if you don't know the story you're not going to think that everybody did it
1: right because everybody knows that kind of knives out is a great example of somebody's killed and there's a bunch of people who all have you know you saw knives out right oh
0: my gosh it's so good and it's and it's such a you know it's i feel like it's such a nod to
1: christy totally rich old guy killed everybody else had a motive let's interview all of them and also let's throw in james bond to be in there just because i mean it's great (laughs) so Um, stinking good that movie is. and if you haven't seen it spoiler the attractive um captain america is the guy who did it you know like like it's awesome they do such a great job it's so Um, good they also have a nazi teenager thrown in because you know (laughs) a nazi 2017 neo-nazi american yes But, um, you know, but that trope of, like, a whole bunch of suspects who all have a motive. Well,
0: and back to Knives Out for a second. Not only do they have a neo-Nazi teenager, they also have a fake, woke, progressive who is self-serving and is only self-righteous and whatever when it serves her. But when it comes down to it, she throws the underprivileged person under the bus and then asks for her feelings to be comforted like
1: it's right you're right. a bit
0: on the nose but it's i the only media depiction dis- i've ever seen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in mass media like i've seen it on tiktoks but i've never seen a mass media movie show someone who's like being progressive in the streets and all the things and when it comes down to her and her money she throws the brown girl under the bus oh yeah totally right and then asks for the brown girl to forgive and comfort her like it's i've it's really on the nose but I think it kind of had to be because it's mass media right right yeah and like so it's it's just so good it's so so good that's an aside but but like yeah and so again like I feel like this book you know unless you know the twist and even if you do know the twist you kind of have to like to to, again like the masterfulness of building this plot where everybody like you know it's it's so let's And Night Shalomon in, in the twist. Right. You know, into like everybody
1: did it. Right. So let's And they're and you think they're all strangers. But they're not. So let's talk about all the different people. Cause we've got we've talked about the um the kind of the lead person who kind of organized this, who is Mrs. Hubbard. So she organized it. I didn't remember that part. It was the mom that organized it. Yeah. And um she's actually a famous actress um from America. But we, uh, had to throw in something about how she her ancestry was Eastern Europe and might have been a little bit Jewish. Do you remember that? Where it was just like, what? Do we have to go back to the yeah. anti-Semitism from like? <laughs> from <laughs> well, Lord yeah, I, I don't remember him saying thing
0: pejorative about that, but she did need to note it.
1: Yeah. So it was like, what? Um, so anyway, but she's an American actress uh, who her daughter died in childbirth and her granddaughter was killed by the guy. So right. she, you know, then, and then
0: her son-in-law killed himself. So she's had
1: yeah. four deaths. Right. Right. And then, um, I'm just le- reading the the list here. So the first person we actually meet is this, um, nice young British lady who works as a governess. um, played by daisy ridley in the most recent one uh for you know star wars daisy ridley uh but anyway so she's the uh, um but then she turns out that she was the governess of daisy right. armstrong right and then there's colonel arbuthnot which is a terrible name um <laughs> and um who was, was a with in served in the military with colonel armstrong who is the dad of the girl who was killed, and he right. shot? And Colonel Armstrong shot himself, and they served together in World War One, I, I guess. Um, and he's in love with the governess. And right. he's been in India re- most recently,
0: and that was the other reason that Prawro expe- suspected something was going on because of the train before this train. Oh, that's right. He observed them pretending not to know each other and then like when they thought they weren't observed kind of being like we'll be together when it's all over. Right. You know, clandestine, clandestine something something. And he's like, well that was weird because they acted like they didn't know each other Um, in the, you know, the dining car. Right. And- so that gave him another clue that something was going on and people were pretending not to know each other.
1: And then uh, the uh, first movie that was played by Sean Connery and the second movie was played by Leslie o- Odom Jr. So yeah. Okay. Then Princess Drug- Dra... Oh, fuck. I mean, do we- have we been swearing on this? Okay. Uh, I can't remember.
0: I feel like we say enough terrible things that, like, okay. fuck is the least of people's problems. <laughs> Dragomeroff?
1: Dragomeroff. Dr-
0: you are butchering that. Hold on. Give me a second. I like <sighs> to say Eastern, Eastern European names, but I need to see it spelled. I'm looking at our list. Where is... Okay, Drug Gomirov. It's always like the Drug
1: <laughs>
0: third to the last syllable of uh, Third to the last I
1: had one time I had a syllables.
0: One time I had an intern who um last name was Mirosnova. <laughs> and like I used to I used to call her by her last name cuz I just enjoyed saying it so much cuz I had to think about it every time and so I would like instead of calling her by her first name, I'd call her Mirosnova. Come on Mirosnova, we're going to go see somebody. <laughs> <laughs> a really long time ago, <laughs> but hopefully she didn't hate that. I should mm. I should write her an apology. <laughs> but anyways, it's Dagomirov.
1: Okay, that's much better. Anyway, yeah, she's and like- I could be wrong with that.
0: That is the one rule I've learned about Eastern European names.
1: and, I-, and actually, I go with it? She's Russian. I didn't even remember that, but she's Russian. And it turns out that but she's
0: a princess. She's a real princess. Real
1: princess, lots of jewels. And apparently, as Agatha mentioned, very ugly. Very ugly. But she's the godmother of the mom who died in childbirth. Right. And like best friends with uh Linda Arden. So the
0: American woman and her are close friends pretending not to know each other right. on this. Right.
1: So then um there's Hector McQueen who um I just know that he was played by Anthony Perkins in the first movie that I mentioned, but I can't remember the most recent one. You are so good at actor's name. You're saying so many names and I know like, well, that's, the guy, from, that's the guy from psycho. How do you not know? Anthony I, just, Perkins? I, bear, I
0: know like Brad Pitt and, and okay. <laughs> um,
1: but anyway, he is, pl- he is being ratchet's personal secretary and translator. Um, but then he, um, was the son of the prosecutor who couldn't uh prosecute Ratchet or Ratchet being Cassetti, and right, and his father got ruined or something because he couldn't, yeah, prosecute yeah. He him.
0: also, like, it, yeah, it drove the prosecutor to be ruined.
1: And then Countess and Count Adrenayi, Adrenayi, uh, oh, damn it. <laughs>
0: Adren Andreni. Ad- oh, let's try it each way. Adreni. Adrenny. Andreni. Well also do you uh, say the un-
1: do you say the why the, eye, the why of the I different?
0: Okay. Andreni. Un- I have to try it. it's funny because I listened to the audiobook. I literally should know this. But then I see it written, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Andreni.
1: Andreni. Okay. Let's go with
0: Andreni like Agassi. Okay. Yeah. Andreni. Okay.
1: So it turns out that the Countess was.
0: This is a podcast of us trying to pronounce words.
1: <laughs>
0: and apparently. Of saying actor names, and I'm like, who? <laughs> and then was trying to pronounce names. And I literally listened to this book, so I
1: should be able to pronounce names.
0: Andreni. And- That's what they said. They said Andreni. Okay.
1: So the Countess Adreni, turns out to be the sister of Mrs. Armstrong, who died in childbirth. And then, right, person. so she's that's her mom
0: on the train with her, and
1: that's her mom. And they totally, even they totally don't. And that's the thing,
0: you're helping me when you're talking about this because, like, even you know I, I read it before and then just reread it, but like, it's so quick after the conclusion. That like oh, the red string of who's who to who, what that is over, like snap. Oh. And you're like, well, I'm done now.
1: Right. They don't. And have- so I didn't
0: really process who was whom to who.
1: Yeah. Wasn't that interesting? Cause they, he does though, like, hey.
0: I needed more time to thinking like, oh, dude, the countess and the American lady, that's your mom. Right. And then like, we're just like, you know what I mean?
1: Uh, yeah. Cause, cause
0: we, and we didn't realize she was American
1: not at all yeah she was totally like um had an eastern european i'm from hungary because they're um her husband was a count from hungary right um but she they had recently got married and she was the younger sister of um the woman who died of the woman who died yeah yeah um and they kept on talking about how she was just a schoolgirl when her and her sister this all happened but it I, I reread it and it only happened three years ago. So how is right. And
0: she's got time to grow up and get a, get different accents and get married, and get, speak perfect. Some other language that she's not read as American and
1: right. Find a count to marry. And, she's been busy. I mean, I guess trauma makes you grow up. Right. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, all right. And then, uh, then there's Hardman.
0: Wait, you skipped over the most racist thing that happens, which is the Italian.
1: I Oh, he was next on my list after Hardman. At least I'm looking at the Oh,
0: sorry. My yeah. list is in a different order. Okay. Than yours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I remember this. So Hardman um he was a cop and he said after the murder, like he had one name when they started Can-
0: Well, so he was supposed to be a traveling salesman and then he admitted he was actually hired as a private private, you know, detective to protect... Ratchet.
1: And then that wasn't even true and then it turns out that he was um, a cop who was in love with the um, the nurse, French nurse who committed suicide because she was accused of talking too much. Um, so, uh, but he went through, like, he's like, I'm trying to help Farrow solve the murder. Right. There was air quotes that no one could see. Cause this is a right. Podcast. And he's, yeah. So he's, 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 there's a little bit of
0: like, you know, American noir detective vibes.
1: Right. And then, yeah, but then it turns out that he was, um, pissed because her, the woman he loved had committed suicide because she'd been, um, accused of. And basically what they accused her of was like her, something
0: like, you know, information that seemed idle to her about the, you know, comings and goings or the routines of the family is how the kidnappers figured out how to right kidnap the baby. So she was kind of blamed, even though why would she think that? Like, why would she worry about, you know, this is what time we go to play group because, you know, baby's going to get kidnapped. Like it's, she could have never thought of that, but I think that some of the blame honed on her at least, know she felt like that so she killed herself right
1: so now the italian guy and we don't find out that he's an um italian american until midway through the book but right but so so this is another one and again
0: at this time where being italian american is not really a prosecuted persecuted excuse me persecuted um status it doesn't feel as bad but i know there's been a lot of times in our history where being italian american or italian i'm guessing other you know in other countries you know comes with a lot of uh disadvantage and stereotypes and so like um paro's friend book keeps saying well you know he was stabbed and you know italians are stabby and paro's (laughs) like Farro is like, "Well, they are stabby." That's true. <laughs> like he does it again where you don't want Farro to co-sign right the, the the stereotype and he he kind of he, he does sort of like play back like you know my friend, he thinks that the Italians are stabby, so we got to look into that. Like he he does sort of you know, put it in his face and like he it's nuanced that I think he's trying to talk his friend down from this, but the you know, he does a little bit cosign on the temperament, the sort of, like, hot-blooded Latin who were stabby kind of thing. And so, like, it, that was, for me, the most cringiness, like, ethnic stuff was around this Italian guy. And Praro didn't really cosign it, but he did not. You know what I mean? It, right, it, was, right. it was there, and it came up too many times. But by the end, it felt like Praro was, like, and you know, my friend over here thinks that Italians are the ones that kill people. So we got, you know, what I mean? he was sort of speaking to it, but there was at least the most breath-holding moments in the book were around that for me.
1: Well, it, it's true. And it reminds me because they kept on saying, so Americans are supposed to have guns, which, you know, to be fair, yes. That's not wrong. It's not wrong. <laughs> and Ratchet, when he tries to, the bad guy, when he tries to hire Praro, is like, someone's trying to kill me. But I, you know, I have a gun and he shows it to him at dinner in the, you know. uh, And he literally had a gun
0: under his table when, or under his pillow when he was killed. And
1: so it's like, oh my God, could you be more stereotypically American? And then I'm like, (laughs) ouch, I mean, you're not wrong. Okay, okay, fine, (laughs) Agatha, you're right.
0: Only, only back then and now.
1: (laughs) Only all the time. But, But I, I just gotta say by the way, as an American, if I'm on a train having dinner with someone and they pull out an automatic, I might shit my pants just to let you know, because I, well, again,
0: it's, you know, not to not all Americans, but not all Americans, (laughs) but they're (laughs) obviously many of us I've never are not around guns and are not into guns, but there is a a faction that is larger in this country and speaks strongly to it more than in other countries. I think that would be fair to say.
1: Fair to say. I mean, she's not wrong. It's just like because I just thought- right, and it
0: doesn't mean that all of us are comfortable with guns or into guns or whatever. But like, but she's not wrong that that the the Cassetti ratchets of the world probably are into guns.
1: Well, and the fact that he was Italian, I mean, because like the name Cassetti, you know um
2: who oh. and
1: then um but yeah they they definitely did a couple like yeah because Poro's friend kept on saying it's got to be the italian because you know those italians like he kept doing that <laughs> he kept doing it but there was so much like well you know americans do this and the french well they do this and then the italians they do this and
0: if a woman had done it she would have poisoned him right. but i feel like again it was
1: kind of that line between
0: stereotype and what Pro calls psychology you know what i mean like a lot of times he'll say psychology when he means stereotype
1: right <laughs> right so yeah they just capped on like saying you know but what about that italian guy and you know he's like
0: but it was always it was a, they kept it to the one character it was just his friend who kept thinking it was the you know the Italian it wasn't like the narrator well you know yeah
1: but and it, but I just kept on thinking, what an interesting idea that the French don't stab the English don't stab, the Americans don't stab it's the Italians who stab, you know, like you know like that's how limiting I mean. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, uh, uh, when he does the ending story and talking to everybody about what it was planned and um, Linda Arden drops her act, um, mm-hmm. she says it was the Italian who came up with the how. <laughs> that he was the one who came up with the stabbing. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, come on. You know, I'm no, I'm not the, you know, like, did you not? Well, say- and, then, and, then, and
0: then you're pointing it out to me, too, because, like, if and that's the other stereotype, right, is Italians and organized crime, right, so knowing that what you're pointing out is that Cassetti is an Italian name, and so it was organized crime that was the original crime of all this, so that it, it it's not great, and it, again, different times in American history, way after this, that would have been damaging for the Italian community, right, like, if people are reading this and consuming,
1: like, right, I mean, those
0: stereotypes about Italians,
1: Oh, there were people, Italians, there's a really famous case that happened in the 20s, um, which I'm blanking on the names, but there were people who were executed um, for a crime they didn't commit, and but they were Italian immigrants in the United States. So, like, the... Uh, right, the, so that, that's real.
0: And so, yes, yeah, so very... I think in terms of isms in this book, anti-Italianism would probably be yeah. the theme that we would see with a sprinkle of anti-semitism just because for consistency oh
1: goodness (laughs) but no uh no anti i mean because it was interesting because Poirot talks about how he didn't like the food in syria because he was coming from syria and um the pretend mrs hubbard the pretend american lady talks about how she doesn't like how you know the middle eastern basically where they were coming from where the train was coming from she didn't like i don't know what it was the it was it the food or the money or the whatever um, all of the things things. (laughs)
0: she literally insulted the money was like how are you gonna be mad that they use their own money and their own right yeah
1: but um (laughs) but it was interesting because the 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 uh train was you was french food i think it was um, and uh, Poirot, of course was like, I love the French food. I didn't like the food in Syria. And so I you know but he didn't say the people in Syria were stabby, so you know, he just said he didn't like the food as much. So <laughs> We did so we get through all the characters? No, we didn't. So there's Greta Olson. So I'm kinda confused because Greta Olson is listed as First of all
0: the most Swedishish name you could give a supposed to be right. Swedish character. And she we're so, scared, of I can say that.
1: She was supposed to be the nurse in the household, but wasn't the French girl who killed herself was also supposed to be a nurse? Okay, I realized the Armstrongs were supposed to be rich. They clearly oh.
0: had a large household, so there was a governess and oh, a we nurse. Forgot to,
1: we forgot to say that the Italian guy who was all the stereotypes against was the chauffeur
0: oh right we got yeah so yeah with all of his other things and his stereotypes he was the chauffeur for the family
1: um but how many i and they had a governor's and a nurse but i don't understand and a cook right which we haven't gotten to yet but did they have two nurses
0: i couldn't keep track
1: so, anyway, but they had the Swedish nurse who is was still alive. And again, we've
0: talked about how like, it's less common for Americans to have a household like that, but again, we don't know at that era, and at right. that at that income level, maybe maybe that right. wasn't or isn't
1: uncommon to have a, a staff uh, like I'm that. I'm just confused why there would be two nurses. I understand the governess does something different from the nurse, although... Um, but right, if there
0: wasn't a person who was she ill... Was only-
1: right she was only three why would you
0: have one yet let alone two nurses because like you know there wasn't an there wasn't a person with a disability or a long-term illness it wasn't a person with complex medical health care needs in the house
1: right so so why yeah or even
0: two nurses like right that's a a
1: really good point why do you need a nurse I'm i'm confused but anyway so in the in the beginning she says she's a missionary or something and she's like punishing herself because god (laughs) right there's a lot of well said (laughs) um but then it turns out that she was like she was the nurse and anyway yeah so in the 74 movie this was played by ingrid bergman you know, like, and I think she literally won an Academy Award for her portrayal in this movie, in that movie. Oh, wow. For her suffering. And then Penelope Cruz played it, and obviously she wasn't Swedish, she played a Spanish nurse. Um So, still lots of um nationalities, but not Swedish. But Ingrid Bergman, who is Swedish, played the Swedish nurse. Um, who was also suffering because of God. And then Penelope Crude also suffered because of God. There was a lot of suffering. They did a great job that like all, all of them who played right. this role. Um, and then there was Hildegard Schmidt, because again, in case you were wondering what her nationality is, in case you weren't
0: sure were, were, were where she was from, let, Hildegard Schmidt.
1: Let's do all the German <laughs> And as somebody who's descended from a Schmidt, we have Schmidt in our family. Uh, We went to a Schmidt family reunion. I don't know if you remember this.
0: I remember the Schmidt family reunion.
1: Um, But anyway, uh, so German up the wazoo right there, Hildegard, um, who is right now Princess Drogomeroff. You did it. Yes. (laughs) made. But she was the cook in the house. Um, And,
0: uh, you know, in Spanish, the term for the third to the last syllable is the. Anti, anti penultimate. So when you study linguistics, which I did in Spanish, which is why I'm saying it's in Spanish, but they have it in English, too. So the anti penultimate syllable. So in a in a Eastern European name, you want to put the emphasis on the anti penultimate syllable. Drag what was it? <laughs> Mispronouncement pod. This is our new pod. <laughs> Drag Nope. That was the right syllable, but the wrong
1: no, confidence. Drag I think that's
0: right. Drag oh. Okay, Drag You're right. Okay, you're right. You're right.
1: You're right. You're right. you right. <laughs> but also like could you know could that be any more russian like all of the stereotypical names because oh we forgot to say that the italian guy his name is antonio foscarelli foscarelli like yeah did agatha go through and be like okay i gotta come up with an italian name and (laughs) a swedish name and a russian name right i'm going to go to the first one i can think of that's the most yeah
0: right and then the american is mrs hubbard right perfect nondescript american name
1: and and the like yeah the american um like secretary is hector mcqueen a very (laughs) american american name yeah (laughs) okay so we have the german cook which apparently is a, a stereotype that there's german cooks um, right and so
0: she was pretending to be the maid of princess Dragomirov, which is why we got distracted um and and then paro again guessing that she was the cook says i bet you are a great cook and she says all my ladies say so and you yeah, apparently your maid doesn't cook for you so that was a tell
1: right so we're like now
0: why would you want a german cook
1: I mean... It's better than having a British cook. I mean, I <laughs> I'll talk about the stereotypes. I just tried making um, shepherd's pie because I'm trying to make different stuff. Because, oh my gosh, quarantine, am I sick of my own re- cooking? I have tried to cooking so many different things. I'm looking up recipes just because I'm like... What oh. is a
0: shepherd's pie?
1: It's basically... Ground beef it's and, and literally frozen peas you you put it you're supposed to put in frozen peas and corn, fresh carrots um and then uh mashed potatoes on top, and then you bake it.
0: that sounds terrible I, I mean, mean I like the potatoes part
1: it's good, but it's really bland. <laughs> And, like, I added more spice than it said, and we were eating it, and it was like, well, this is comforting and warm, and it's winter, but it's really bland. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, I don't want to keep saying, you know, British food, but, you know, British food, <laughs> there's just <laughs> not a lot of spice. It's nuts. Nice. So, That's you the know, they were known for. Uh, but yeah, and
0: I, I guess like I I, I I we don't although we are descended from distantly from a from a Schmidt or two, I don't know how well versed we are in German food. But it seems just like, you know, fried fried British.
1: Oh no no. no. The, the, you know, they've got some flavors. They've got their sauerkrauts, they've got their schnitzels, oh, yeah, they've that's got true. their their sausages.
0: You know, their their spice sausage, sausages.
1: yeah. Like, yeah. So there's going to be some good cooks in there. It's not going to be, you know, French, but French Oh yeah. Okay, okay,
0: okay. You got me there. Okay, I'm thinking of the sausages and the mustards and the the yeah. Okay, yeah. I got it. I got there. I got there.
1: Yeah. I mean, but the problem is of course with saying that French cooking French got the reputation being fancy cooking um a long, long time ago and then that's what everybody thinks is fancy cooking and then you're like Well, well it's also a...
0: good because butter.
1: Well, yeah French cooking it,
0: is good because dairy.
1: Yeah, it is. It because is.
0: milk fats are delicious <laughs> and evil.
1: Right. I, I'm not, not wrong because a lot of dairy fats and a lot of wine, you know. But also, like, why is that when we talk about fancy food, French is always like, oh, I want to go out for a fancy meal. I'm going to go French, you know, because it, it just got the thing. Yeah, so, it did. And uh, German food has a lot of, like, mustards and those kinds of great flavors. Okay. Um,
0: Is it? I think that the way the language sounds to a non-speaker or even to a speaker, I think, contributes to this. And I'm saying this because now that, in, you know, quarantine projects go, I'm on to the learning Norwegian Part of my projects.
1: Oh, really? And have you? Did I tell you that? No,
0: I. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing my Duolingo me- app, and I'm doing an audio book. I was going to say book on tape, but it's not book on tape time. So <laughs> when I'm not reading Agatha <laughs> Christie's, I'm doing Pimslers Norwegian. And oh, oh my goodness! Like, I, when see- I walk through the house speaking to myself in Norwegian, my girlfriend doesn't say that's so hot. She says you sound like a Scandinavian grandmother, like. <laughs> When you're not speaking, like if I was learning French, I would sound so hot, right? But when I'm speaking the region, I sound like the Swedish chef. Like it has, it's a bouncy, friendly language, <laughs> and I feel like because
2: it to is. a non-speaker French
0: just sounds sophisticated. You're gonna feel fancy out of dinner there, right? If you go to a Scandinavian place, you're gonna feel comforted and friendly, and bouncy. You know what I mean? Like yeah.
1: it is, it's but a like bouncy there's language. nothing
0: like. it's just interesting right because like and as i'm as as i'm practicing the syllables and all the things i'm like this is a super bouncy fun friendly language (laughs) (laughs) i sound like the swedish chef
1: it's true it's true because we have and the more you know when you try to
0: get out of your american accent and like try on the word you know try to really pronounce things correctly you know and you know you know because my 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 main second language is Spanish and it's very different with that. You have to move it, move it around in your mouth and see it. And like the more I sound like the the person who's reading it, the more authentic, the better I get at my accent, the more wildly friendly I sound.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. By the way, I don't know. Which is is very appropriately, culturally appropriate. Right. Right. Uh, Gosh, that's too funny. Cause it's, do you remember random story? So, Vivian was an aunt of ours who passed away no. just a few years ago when mom came back from traveling in Russia and she had a recording oh my god you okay. so you
0: guys you
1: to set the stage
0: our aunt Vivian was a wonderful wonderful aunt of ours aunt of course you got me be singing aunt
1: it's aunt and we're married you
0: anyways so Aunt Vivian she um uh she was a very I would say austere person towards children like she was worried about what we were exposed to if we went to something you know if there was like a movie or a performance that was like slightly uh titillating she would like be super offended and worry about like what about the children right she wasn't you know churchy but she was conservative, I would say. Like, conservative in terms and, of, like, sexual things.
1: Protective. Very
0: protective of children. Yeah. And I think now, as an adult, looking back on her, I think that wasn't necessarily her full personality. But for us as kids, she right. came off as kind of severe and anti-sexual.
1: Yeah, and- so that's,
0: so as I said, the stage, our mom comes back from Russia because she was a teacher and would do, like, exchange trips to Russia. And things like that so she came back and she's playing this audio tape of this man who's speaking in russian i don't remember the context you remember what he was talking about
1: i was it the guy that mom was the in the family that mom stayed with or i don't something? know but yeah it but basically something. she's
0: playing this audio you tape of this man story? speaking i totally remember this because and i, I think i'm we five, five years younger than you so this right. was like i can picture it i can picture the lady we in, in the our living room.
1: room yes oh my god
0: and and our aunt Vivian, they're like, "Mom's playing this tape," and you and I are like, "Oh my god, Mom's telling Russia stories." Can I go? We didn't have video games, so I don't know. Can I go call my friends or can, can I go, I go you know, TV. do anything but listen to her like stories from Russia? And Vivian, all of a sudden, clearly does the like "I'm hot and bothered" thing, <laughs> and she's just like, "Woo, Sergey or whatever his name was," and she's just like, <laughs> she's yeah, clearly she, like she, and it was she, like. My first memory of her as a sexual person, and like looking back at it now, she was clearly a very sexual person. She just was very concerned about what, but like this Russian man talking got her going. And she she, she like said
1: something like, Oh my gosh, that's so sexy.
0: I don't remember what she said, but I remember her body language. I think she stood up or fell down, or like there was a big (laughs) body motion. (laughs) (laughs) And I've never seen her do hot and bothered. Probably didn't, you know. And I was just like, oh, my God, Vivian's a sexual person. And Russian guy voice brought it out.
1: Right. <laughs> and I who knows
0: how old I reaction. was. I was old yes. enough to know that women were sexual, but didn't think of Vivian that way.
1: <laughs> right. Right. No, I had the same reaction. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't you believe we both, both remember, remember this moment. <laughs> God, because I think I might have been in college and you might have been in high school.
0: Okay. Because, because but, but I was young in th- high school.
1: Because I think that's when Mom did that trip. <clears throat> just thinking about it, because but I just remember, yeah, because she said something like, "Oh my god." Prior it's to that, so my memories of, of
0: Vivian would be like we would go see to like we would go to one of our dance recitals and like there'd be something like, or you know, very mildly suggestive, and she would be shocked and appalled. So like that was my vision of Vivian prior to that, and so like her getting hot and bothered over this Russian voice, no less, just a voice, and just him, a like, voice.
1: Is- and I, I, I see my reaction was a little bit that because um, I was less surprised about the fact that she was a sexual being and more surprised that Russian. See, that's why I was bringing up the story because well, yeah, I think
0: it was both. It was like, whoa, Vivian's sexual and two, this is what
1: brought it out. Right. <laughs> it's right here. Right. Russian, dude. Because it was like, Russian guy voice. It was, you know, if you listen to you know, Putin or other people you know we're gonna like- get, we're
0: gonna get so many angry letters. People don't know where to write us, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm impression, sorry. impression of <laughs> <That's> <laughs> apparently right. Putin that was offensive, and I'm not pro Putin or anything. But that was a I have terrible I'm, impression of what Russian sounds
1: <laughs> like. I'm not a worried about offended Putin, okay? He's a horrible person. Um, no, but I'm just saying your impression
0: of what Russian sounds like wasn't great. Okay, fair. But my, my point is, is that my- I, could, I could, well, in Vivian's defense, I didn't, you know, when like you don't see something as sexy and then someone points it out and you're like, I could see it.
1: <laughs> I so could like- not. Because Spanish? Hell yeah. Italian? Yeah. French? I'm less. I know, but Spanish I think is the one that does it for me and probably just because I traveled to uh, Costa Rica uh, when I was, what was I, 15? Um and so, you know, that just cemented because I would just become aware of men and then men are going, hula, you know, like so. <laughs> um, but uh,
0: I mean, French is a pretty sexy language too. But I think, right. I think Spanish and French are, are very, very sexy. But Russian? To, an, to At least to an American ear. Who knows what they sound like to other, you know, what I mean? And we
1: started talking. but there might
0: be some universalities with that. Like, I feel like. Norwegian is going to sound bouncy to anybody like Scandinavian languages are going to sound you know friendly and bouncy
1: and I actually remember to anyone, an American is going to sound lazy because I remember I've had Spanish teachers that spoke entirely in Spanish for the entire class and then mm-hmm. I heard them speak English like outside of the class and I didn't like them as much because they're <laughs> because American English can sound lazy. I don't know how to explain it. You know what I mean? Like, American English draws and whines. Well, that's the funny thing we
0: were just talking about in the last episode, is that, like, it doesn't have to draw. It can be fast, and it can be Fibber McGee and Molly. Right. It can be fast, but it always kind of sounds crass.
1: Or whiny. American or whiny, English whiny. Yeah, I guess
0: the southern version doesn't sound crass and whiny, but it draws, and then the northern faster version can sound eh, like nasally
1: yeah nasally and so you know so yeah because i definitely have been i've had people who i got to know in spanish first and then heard them speak american english and thought oh yeah no go back i i like your personality better interesting in spanish
0: well that's why i think it's funny well we criticize like americans who move to england or other countries who like we think it's being fake when they like develop a british accent but it's like one it's assimilated where you live and two why wouldn't you want to speak differently than we speak our accent is the worst it's the worst <laughs> i know are you speaking
1: specifically about madge about madonna is she madge is that her name yeah that's what she called herself when she moved to england was madge oh i didn't i didn't catch the Madge. yeah yeah but anyway yeah right and i think
0: I'm, i can, i can see why it sounds like putting on airs, but like when, it, when Australian actors speak like Americans, when they're giving interviews, we're not mad at them for that. I just think it's fascinating how we... Oh, know, totally. But we, the thing with accents and stuff.
1: We started all this because we were talking about the German lady and whether you would not like their cooking as much because... That's where we were. That then we just spiraled into. That language sounds violent and maybe it's because most of the Germans I've heard German, I've heard, is stuff around World War Two. is German speaking.
0: Right. So, and I, I have a close friend who is German. um I think you've been Annette. You remember Annette from my previous family? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And like, and so, like, it's funny because, like, when I hear her speaking on the phone or spe- hear her speaking with her, um, with her sister, like, when she, when her sister visits, it actually doesn't sound that different from the Norwegian. Like, when she gets going, there's a bounciness and, you know, there's some similar consonant sounds and stuff, so, like, it doesn't sound like that because it's not talking about violence in history. (laughs) So I feel like you might have a little bit of a...
1: But I've (laughs) traveled, i traveled in, not in Germany, but in Austria um, in the, and when people spoke german it sounded violent and angry (laughs) it did it just did And (laughs) and um so and here i am in literally the place where the sound of music was filmed and you know set
0: back to her twirling
1: yeah and um (laughs) went on the sound of music tour but then when they were speaking in german i'm like yeah no you sound like a nazi you know like you sound angry and violent, and so I. I, but it's is my well, in in some ways, but like there may be some things
0: like it's. It's probably hard for us to hear a white person from Alabama without thinking of Mississippi burning, right? Like, right? Could the best person in the world, but who's a white person from Alabama, not sound like a deep racist to us? I don't know, because there's some like tones of voice and ways of speaking that could just that just trigger, trigger right,
1: and so maybe German. You know, and, yeah and but it, it so because
0: so i will say when i whenever i hear heard annette on the phone or talking to her sister she never gives me not C flats flashbacks Good. <laughs> i mean again i'm <laughs> not that i would have any personally but from media right right <laughs> it doesn't sound angry and violent when she speaks it
1: but our point what you know like the stereo
0: point was
1: a stereo you were you
0: were criticizing french food
1: and I was, you know, We're the type of a German cook. And we gotta remember this book was written in 34, it was before World War Two. Mm. So all that hasn't happened yet. So right. you know, the Nazis just came to power in Germany, and this Oof. and this lady had left Germany. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, she's the cook, apparently, there's a stereotype of German, <laughs> anyways, humans. she's the cook <laughs>
0: well, anyways, was, it, was that like Bobby got a sandwich, <laughs> anyways <Was> that- <laughs> Hilda Gerd's <Kirt's> the cook, <laughs> oh my God it really
2: is just like that. <laughs>
0: It's <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with the book at all.
1: is <laughs> We just analyzed a whole bunch of languages and talked about how they sound from Western Europe and about our personal attitude storm <laughs> and our aunt who gets turned on by Russians. Apparently, <laughs> get. Uh, uh. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I was
0: I was thinking about that because I um. I was really hoping to be like super sexy as I was learning my Norwegian. And I was like, I think I sound super fun, super friendly.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> do you not remember when so you I'm giving me a there? sexy edge. <laughs> so, Amanda and I were in Norway together for a wedding. Uh, and, um, gosh, when was that? More than 10 years ago. No, yeah, because Odbjorn just turned 12 and he was a baby so yeah it was like yeah. 11 13 years yeah. yeah that sounds about right yeah so yeah so 11 years ago yeah so we must have um, but anyway um we were there uh for a wedding and then we traveled around for a little bit <clears throat> and i remember you were like okay everybody in this country is divided into two categories <clears throat> either they look like they literally could be a relative of mine or they're incredibly hot. Do you remember
0: saying that? Do you remember that? Well, I remember, no, I, I don't remember saying that exactly, but I remember being confused because when I got off the plane in Copenhagen on my way to Norway even still, but in the diaspora now, right? I got off the plane and I would see a girl and be like, she's kind of hot. And I'd be like, but kind of like in a me way. <laughs> and then I'd be like, I don't know. I don't like what that's bringing up in me. So, like, oh, I was like, I didn't like it. And I think you're right, because I, I I was like, some of these people, like, I, w- I was, I, like, I have, so Portia and I grew up around a lot of people that don't look like us. Right. So, I, I have, I tend to be racist against white people and think that they all look the same. We all look the same. So, I had that problem in Scandinavia where I was like, is that me? <laughs> Wait, I thought I was over here. So, I was like, everyone looks like us. And then... I was like, but well, that was kind of cute. Oh my god, am I a narcissist? <laughs> 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 and luckily for me, like there are people who date, especially same sex, you know, people in same sex relations that date people that look just like them. And I've never had that problem. I'm used to date people who don't like, like look like me. But I was like I was like, Oh man, I'm so this is hard. <laughs> yeah, there's a it's lot so of it was, first of all, like,
1: excuse me, are are you my mommy? <laughs> And then, are you my cousin? Are you my sister? Wait, do you want a date? Yeah, I know. It was just like it was. It was a lot. It was, it was a, a lot.
0: lot. I mean, it just being in a in a more homogeneous, you know, gene pool was just interesting.
1: Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they are attractive people. Also, they're related to us. Also, they're very white.
0: It, well, yeah, and so are we.
1: <laughs> Can I tell you? how annoyed I am the alt-right fascists have started taking Viking symbolism? Oh, they didn't
0: just start. They've been doing that. Nazis in jails have been doing that for a long time. They've been appropriating I'm... Nordic stuff and Viking stuff because it seems super white. And they're like, let's take this Viking symbol and use it for white supremacy. And you're like, no, no. stop it, guys. Because also, it.
1: if you've traveled in Scandinavia at all, they're actually you know
0: what are the dudes at the capitol one of the i saw a post about that like one of the dudes you know that was like one of the famous shots had some sort of tattoo of a thing that's not a racist thing is actually some sort of a Scandinavian or some kind of a thing but like because it's on this like white supremacist now it's like ruined it for everybody and yeah. people who have that symbol are gonna be like ah
1: Yeah. I'm so pissed at them. I mean, I'm pissed at them for a lot of reasons, but they also have to ruin our our heritage. We can't even. Right. And
0: like, as, as Portia was about to say, um, I was surprised again, we went what 13 years ago. So as a, you know, as an American person or excuse me, as a white American, you're often worried about what your white relatives are going to (laughs) stay. Right. You never know. And so I remember being like, the The Norwegians are such warm, accepting people, and I remember that this is one of those things. Do you remember this story? Our uh, our cousin, who's slightly who's around our age, was talking about immigrants to Norway because it's a very homogeneous country, as we were saying. But now there's a lot more immigration, just like everywhere in the world. And she was like, "I'm going to say something about immigrants, and I don't care who hears me, but it might be controversial." And as you know, you're like, "Oh God." what is my white relative about to say? Right. As I'm sure people have (laughs) felt around the world. Oh God, what is my white relative about to say? And she said, if you're coming for a crime, don't come. And that was the end of the first statement. (laughs) And I was like, that seems fair. That seems super fair. (laughs) Like her whole statement was her controversial. People are going to cancel me for this was if you're coming for a crime, don't come. And I was like, no, that seems that seems valid. That's that's okay. You can say that, right? <laughs> right. Like when she wasn't, that was the whole controversial statement, and that's the most controversial thing I heard in the whole country, because everything else was just like they're super warm and accepting, and
1: they were so loving. And,
0: what I do love yeah. about
1: that trip, and eleven years ago, not thirteen, but whatever.
0: Do you remember that? Um, you're right right because minus one not plus one it's <laughs> um
1: but is that
0: do you remember that story i think you were there for that and i remember ramping up like bracing myself like oh god what's she gonna say like, it must
1: have been so much of a non where i was like oh, oh okay i've heard so much worse <laughs> from you know americans <laughs> but i do remember the guidebooks were like okay if you've been to norway in the past it's so much more diverse. So much more diverse. And and I was like, okay, because I got some guidebooks before this trip. Um, mm-hmm. and Or my, my ex did. And then, uh, so then we go there and I'm like, so instead of being 100% blonde, it's 98% blonde. Like when their idea of, oh my gosh, it's so much more diverse was like, you know they have. But
0: again, I think that's changing. I, I, this um, Netflix show I keep telling you to watch, Home for Christmas, is actually very diverse. It's more diverse than most American TV shows. There's like it's fair and black characters and black characters of many different skin tones. And what,
1: uh, like, what uh, city <clears throat> is it in? A small town. Oh, really? Okay. Because, like, you know, when I went to Paris and traveled through Paris in 2004 i was like wow paris is way more diverse than this town that i live in you know like and that's not necessarily always talked about when you're like oh you're going to paris but it was like oh this is a really diverse town um and so when the guidebooks were like bergen is so much more diverse
0: yeah but i feel like the guidebook was written for our grandparents who were like who goes to norway
1: fair um, uh,
0: Norwegian Americans and Norwegian Americans, although Norwegians are warm and accepting and liberal. Actual social, the social democrats by definition. Yeah, socialists, sociali- What do you say, democratic socialists? That's what.
1: Yeah, that's what uh, Bernie calls them. I would call them welfare capitalists, but that's just because I teach economics and they do have a capitalist country. I'm getting more wine. Don't pay- freak out. I'll be away from the yes. camera. All right, but say smart things. Of course, so, anyways, they live in a
0: socialist country, but apparently a capitalist country. But, anyways, so I feel like I was trying to contrast that because a lot of Norwegian Americans are very conservative. Oh my gosh, so true. A a lot of Norwegian Americans are very um, non accepting in their views. So, I feel like those guidebooks were written for our grandparents who were like, you're going to see black people or, or, you know, Indian people, Indian Norwegians, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Don't freak out. Right. Don't do racist
1: stuff. Stop it that's true that's probably what they're written for is uh yeah because i was like oh, okay
0: but i feel like that's probably why it said that because it's like you're expecting like you know what i mean like because norwegian americans can be very conservative and oh it's so true not it's- not expecting diversity so i feel like they can get over there and start doing murica stuff except for like they don't know how to merka on norway they want to like norway <laughs> <laughs> and like but the norwegians are like no thank you yeah no don't do that No, thank, thank you me. we're not racist No, thank you yeah
1: Ugh, the, the, what was what's the show on netflix that was filmed in norwegian and american what's the name of it um the comedy oh gosh what is she talking about you haven't seen this oh i know
0: the one. I yeah i couldn't get into that
1: see i thought it was hilarious especially since it's like a sketch comedy no 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 it's, it's about vikings like it was oh like
0: right it was like the viking show but but a farcical version of that right right it was like a monty python Vikings yeah yeah i couldn't get into it but yeah it was cute it was cute
1: see i liked it i mean it was violent as all heck which i couldn't really enjoy but um but the humor was great because they spoke like modern norwegians but also they did all this violence and so they talked a lot about gender stereotypes and racist stereotypes and all this stuff but then they're vikings so they're like killing each other It was hilarious i could i should try again what's that one what's the name of it so i can't remember i can't remember at all why are we talking about norwegians because
0: we're <laughs> really into norway i don't know
1: <laughs> norway pod <pun. laughs> <laughs> oh god Okay, we were still going through the list. There's, three, we have still more, two more characters? Oh my God, okay. <laughs> I apologize if you're like, what the hell are you doing? I was interested in Murder on the Orient Express, not let's tell about. Okay. Anyway, there are two more characters. So, the, my God. the guy who played Ratchet's, or he said at the beginning he was Ratchet's valet. Mm-hmm. So, Ratchet apparently had a secretary and a valet. Traveling with him, and this is again. I'm trying to figure out what if you have a lot of servants, what do they do? Question. This is my pr- question for all of this. Like, why would you have two nurses? Why would you have a nurse and a governess? Why would? What's the different? What does a valet do that's different from what a secretary does? And how do you justify having two full time people on your payroll? As you're traveling. But what does a valet do? I... This is... I don't know. I mean...
0: Parks the car. That's all I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I in now times, in the States, they park the car. Right. But if...
1: Clearly, he's traveling. That's but,
0: clearly not what's happening here. So I don't know what a valet does. Okay.
1: I thought... So if the secretary does like the correspondence does the valet lay out the clothes
0: i guess and yeah it seems again odd that an american man would have a staff like that but maybe at that time
1: but anyway but even more confusing is that it turns out he actually connection to the armstrong case is he was colonel armstrong's batman during the war and i've read it in the book I watched it in both movies and I still have no idea what the hell a Batman is. It's literally spelled Batman, as in, you know, the Right. So, what the hell is a Batman? Okay, so like.
0: A Batman or orderly is a soldier or airman assigned to a commissions officer as a personnel. So it's basically your war valet.
1: When you're at war, you get someone to lay out your clothes. You wear the same clothes every day. What?
0: Okay. And a valet. See, This is is simple internet searches that (laughs) solve forces (laughs) confusions. There's a site called Google. It's G-O-O-G-L-E. And I was able to find this information (laughs) there for both. So a Batman is a personal assistant for an officer. And a valet is a man's personal male attendant responsible for his clothes and appearance. <sighs> so, yeah, like you said, like the you know, the secretary's taking down your dictation.
1: And the valet's getting you dressed.
0: Yeah. So that does seem like a big staff for someone who's just a kidnapper. <laughs> Why does he need so much staff? But
1: right. And then the last character was the train conductor, who was a French guy. But it
0: turns out, yeah. And what was his involvement? He
1: was the father of the maid who killed herself. Oh man! So again, I don't quite understand why they had two maids. Nursery maid. One of the things says nursery maid. But what the heck does nursery maid? Does that mean you rock the baby to sleep? What does the mom do as the mom of babies? who are not babies anymore toddlers if i had a nursery maid and a maid and a governess what would i
0: right you had no so you had a a nursery maid and a nurse and a governess yeah what would you do and a cook and
1: a cook oh my god (laughs) do i also have and a driver and a driver but also they have a like a maid maid right did they have a maid? Well, they they did.
0: she didn't come killing, but I bet they did. Yeah. Oh, well. Or maybe that was it. Maybe one of the maids was the housemaid and the other maid was the nursery maid. There it is. Okay. So we have the well, housemaid who's nurses. just like.
1: Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So nursery maid, house. So you've got the main, there's a
0: woman who's working in the house, and then there's a woman who's particularly caring for the child, and then there's a nurse for some reason just in case.
1: And there's a governor's. And there's a cook.
0: Well, and she, so maybe the nurse was because she was expecting. Like, if you were, if you were so wealthy and expecting, might be nice to have a nurse around all the time, rub your feet, take care of you, make sure nothing's going wrong with the baby. That's
1: true. And like when you were expecting, you probably wouldn't have like turned down a full time nurse. I would not have, and neither would have my husband, because I also, the random bursting into tears, you know, because, (laughs) right? There, we just solved it. See, you just need a whole household of staff. right?
0: (laughs) Don't say right. You would never... We were just talking about this last time. You would never tolerate any of that. You'd be like, I'm so sorry. Can I do something for you? Right.
1: Would you like to unionize? (laughs) I I think you should unionize. (laughs) Uh, Do you know your rights? I think you should know your rights. You need to unionize. Uh, Okay, so... I want to say something smart. Say so, something smart. We need it. French, British, German, Swedish, Italian, American, Hungarian, Russian, uh, uh, American, Russian, British, British, American. So that's the list of people who are, you know, the around the world people that... Um, we at first think are all strangers and um, that clearly was um, um, when Agatha was trying to write this up she was trying to imagine this so I'm also going to say something serious because this is based on an actual event two years earlier in 1932 Was probably the most famous um, crime and then trial that happened. I
0: didn't know this before.
1: um, Prior to the O.J. trial, so so Charles Lindbergh, who was incredibly famous and rich because he was the guy who um, was the first guy who flew a clock across the uh, ocean, right? Um, In the twenties, and he married a lady and then their 20-month-old kid was a boy was and he was well off and his wife was pregnant um oh wow yeah uh their 20-month-old kid was kidnapped they paid the ransom and the, the 20-month-old kid was actually um dead and they found the oh, body that's terrible oh it's a terrible story um now the, he and his wife did not die, but they did have a nurse who was a, suspected of telling too much who killed herself. That part oh, also. So this,
0: that's really based on this.
1: Yeah. And that oh. had only happened two years before she wrote this.
0: Ooh. So, oh, so the revenge would be so palpable, like so visceral for people. Yeah,
1: and there was a guy who was uh, convicted and executed but there was a lot of questions about it in the same way like the OJ trial or those ones that are analyzed from every angle by every person it wasn't satisfying to people because a child was dead and it was horrible and the Lindberghs actually went to Europe after this and then Charles Lindbergh Liked what the Germans were doing during the 30s, and then it turned into a whole thing because he didn't want us to get go into World War II. So no. was he? So there's that's a it, it goes a whole another direction. But that's after, <laughs> right? At um, it. But he actually, but he and his wife ran away to Europe because there was so much press about this that it was you know after their kid was. Killed. Wow. And, um, and apparently it's it wasn't a series of people's kidnapping and killing. What happened was the kidnappers knew this guy was very, very famous and rich. And they went and kidnapped their kid. And on the way down the ladder, dropped the kid. He died right away. Oh. You know, it wasn't even like, you know. So uh but it's but they didn't know nobody knew that for a while for a long time people didn't know where it was and he thought they thought that he was kidnapped and could be found but apparently oh,
0: was terrible
1: he a, died immediately he died immediately like his student oh my
0: god but it's one of those I, I know i do nothing about this i guess like you said if it took a whole nazi turn then like you know, focus less on that
1: yeah but also you know, in
0: in retrospect in history but like yeah i never heard that story
1: yeah and he didn't necessarily go nazi no. he just neces he just was a little bit reluctant to get into world war ii and it kind of tainted because he was well known for flying across the atlantic and being famous and young and you know attractive and rich and and then his baby was kidnapped and for weeks people were trying to find information and they were doing psychics and it was like all these things and 32 um and then they found the body and then they you know put somebody on trial and um so when did did... they not think it was like the whole team or do they think it was the
0: wrong guy that they executed
1: um I, uh, you know, I don't know enough about the whole story, but I, I, but it, but
0: it was, it was thought to be unsatisfying to the public.
1: Yeah. Cause I think that they found the right guy. Cause there was the, you know, what happened was it was more just stupid. I mean, they dropped the kid. I don't think they meant to kill him. They dropped the kid. He died, but they still took Jeez. the money, you know? um, So, you know, I don't think it was a mastermind. You know what I mean? I think it right. was I, could said Well, and I think one of the things when I was coming back to the story, now that I have children who are about the same age... God, of... that's so scary. I didn't want to say that to you, but I was like, ooh, it's a weird time to read the story. Yeah, because you know... Um, oh, did I tell you this? So there's a reboot of freaking Perry Mason um, <laughs> on HBO and where he's a... <laughs> Before he's a lawyer, where he's a a dark, gritty...
0: Why are they rebooting everything?
1: A, a dark, gritty um, per, uh, private investigator Who before he becomes a lawyer? Who dares
0: play Perry Mason? Who dares to step into Raymond Burr's shoes? Speaking oh, look of at Actor you, names no. that I know.
1: Right. Who apparently was the best gay guy in Hollywood, I found out after the fact. Like we watched Perry Mason for years, and I did not know that Raymond Burr was known for being the best, most awesome gay guy in super Hollywood. gay, super gay. Uh, everyone loved him. Everybody knew it. He Perry that's Mason amazing. Was, Perry Mason was perfect for him because he was like, you know, just solved the court cases. No romance. It's true. Right? There was no romance. So anyway. But, uh, yeah, so this reboot, he's a private investigator before he becomes a lawyer. So I'm like, That guy? I'll watch it. Absolutely not.
0: Absolutely not. He's the wrong guy. Take it back.
1: No, no, no. Not that
0: guy. He is no Raymond Burr.
1: The very first episode is a family whose one-year-old was kidnapped but then killed in the 30s. And I'm watching it as a mom of a, ba- of a toddler. And I get to the point where the one-year-old is dead. And I'm like, okay, yeah, not going to watch this show.
0: Not watching this. <sighs> this guy is no Raymond Burr.
1: But also, it's another Who's one Who's this man? No, absolutely not. That's gritty, where all the critics are like, it's so great because it's so gritty. Everything is gritty. You know what makes it gritty? dead babies killing killing children killing children and boobs because the other thing is a private investigator so he gets to see lots of sex in like pictures he takes pictures and it's gritty and i don't mean to sound prudish but okay yes killing babies and boobs thank you hbo you can do that yes i know you can show boobs so. I'm
0: just upset of the look of this man. He's no Raymond Burr. He doesn't have his stature. He doesn't have his. his elongated. Heft. Yeah, his heft, his 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 right. face. Who's the guy who plays? Um, uh, you know who's the genius detective on the SVU? It's not SVU. The other one.
1: Oh yeah. Criminal yeah, yeah, yeah. Intent. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh God, what's his name? Like
0: he's got a Raymond Burr energy. Right, he does. He's big and, and he walks commands the room, room, and like not traditionally handsome, but handsome in the way that he's handsome. Right, but this guy, he looks like a a Gary
1: Busey type. Totally, totally, I agree. I he's agree. no Raymond Burr, but take also- it back. Take it back, but also people are like, "Ooh, it's all about Perry Mason," and like the first fifteen minutes, there was a dead baby. So I was like, "Yeah, yeah,
0: no dead baby," and and that's that's not what Perry Mason was about. Perry Mason was not dead baby. Like it, it was no SVU. It was no like something terrible, terrible happened here. It was like there was a murder.
1: Let's make you know what I mean.
0: Like again, it was a tolerable murder. It was like in the right. Agatha Christie murder she wrote vein of, like, this is murder, but somehow we're not disturbed, we can still sleep at night. Right. It's not okay.
1: So I, you know, but I, it's the same story. I mean, like, and again, it was a baby of the same age, kidnapped for a ransom, but the baby was actually dead. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, Lindbergh baby. I mean, like, because mm-hmm. it's such a famous story, it's gonna be in... Um, media it's going to be in fiction it's going to be you know like portrayed in a lot of different ways but as the parent of somebody that age I'm just like oh okay um, yeah that's not great and even as not a parent right like Someone that,
0: and I don't want to hear about dead babies like right. yeah
1: right. so it's interesting because even Agatha changed the age of the kid to three
0: yeah. It's any it, like that's not great, but
1: for some reason Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes.
0: yes. And obviously he's probably aged out by now for this reboot of like a prequel. But like he's got the energy. Like you need to get a big guy. You got to get a Porsche type. You got
1: to get a Herb type.
0: You got to get a Herb type. Oh, that's our, our grandfather was totally that type. Like Doesn't a big he
1: a big guy. And I I you know yeah, he and that, but big in a certain kind of way. I don't even know how to explain it. Um, not big and big who doesn't, big and use graceful, it. big and graceful, big and graceful. Yeah, because, big and graceful because our grandfather was big, a Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, big and graceful. Cause our grandfather like that. was, was a dancer. He was big, but he was a dancer. Right. Um, and, uh, so yeah, big and graceful. Yeah. Vincent
0: D'Onofrio and, and Raymond Burr as the, as a queer.
1: <laughs>
0: now that, that, know that big
1: this... graceful oh, yeah. energy. I read some great, uh, Hollywood history about Raymond Burr and him and his partner had good party, great parties. Oh! And people loved to, you know, um, But it was one of those like open secrets in Hollywood, apparently. That's
0: adorable.
1: Yeah, the story of him is actually pretty cool. And then, of course, he was playing uh, Perry Mason up until the 80s. Like, you know, they were doing those Perry Mason movies up until the 80s. Do you remember that? Wow.
0: Yeah, I think so. Because I was just looking at some of the pictures when I was trying to remember his name. And like, yeah.
1: Anyway, so but my point the whole point about the (laughs) bobby got a sandwich
0: (laughs) (laughs) dead babies suck dead babies as a plot device sucks but i will say in Agatha christie's defense um that she was doing it she was like topical this just happened and like what and, and again so she you could see it as exploitative but you could also see it as like we are all unsatisfied about this terrible thing that and we and even today where things happen so fast and pass and like we have trouble remembering what happened 15 minutes ago sometimes there's those moments where we all feel like we were in something together and their justice didn't happen so I could see how this book could be like we all got justice and that's why you're helping me even like be more satisfied with the ending because if everybody did it it's like me as the reader if I'm reading this this two years after this baby died and we didn't get our justice that now I feel like I killed him too like we we all got our justice right you know like I can see it as catharsis or I could see it as exploitative like I could see the argument either way I can write either thing piece Depending on who's paying the most.
1: <laughs> well I was thinking about the this for is my Vox
0: Think piece on this. The
1: thirty-four <laughs> version of um of uh, Tarantino's um films like uh Inglorious Bastards, right? Or um uh Django Unchained, right? Like that are visceral. I haven't seen Inglorious Bastards, but I have seen Django but they're, and yes, they're viscerally satisfying. They are
0: so. I'm I'm not a huge Gordon Dean no fan, but Django Django is so satisfying,
1: and <laughs> so really is Inglorious satis- Bastard. <laughs> as, as somebody who doesn't like to watch violence, right? Because but...
0: I that's why I can't watch a lot of this stuff because of all of his and, violence and his gratuitous right. N words.
1: But yeah, and I did hear some describe his films as. A violence for someone who's never actually experienced it, so it's fun right. to him. I mean,
0: there's yeah, there's a lot to analyze there, but no, but but, uh, but my girlfriend watches a lot of his stuff, and
1: but it's so when his alternative histories where we get to kill Hitler in *Inglorious Bastards* or ah. we get to kill slave owners in and Unchained*, it's so like ah, can we go back and do that? Can we please go back and do that? And this, I think once you realize what it was the end is like oh can we go back and kill the guy who killed a kid you know right and, is- and
0: and then if the answer the, the, that the the solution is everybody did it that's even more satisfying because it like i feel included right there's right. not one person who did it it's like the mom organized it and we all killed the bastard
1: right because when a child dies and then the, she makes it. So in the real life, the child died and the nurse killed herself. Um, So the rest of them didn't die, but it's still a tragedy. So she expounded it by having, uh, there was like three more deaths, but, um, but you know, like it's, it was still such a tragedy. And so you want to punish and that's the part that's, um, yeah, so that's why it kind of reminded me of those two, like Django and Chang and, and Inglorious Bastards, is her kind of saying, we want to do something. And then she great created this great story of, like, what if we all met on this train in the middle of winter, in the middle of nowhere, you know, uh, not close innocent. to any towns which is yeah. why we didn't really explain this but when the train was caught in the so- snow drift it's not like they were close to anything
0: right and and they did it like they really were careful to make sure that no one who was innocent would be accused
1: right right
0: they worked really hard to make sure that like although none of them could be proved to do it also no innocent person would be like found to be it was kind of like the evidence would lead to nowhere and they did sort of set up this red herring of someone some random man who pretended to be a conductor and stuck on the train stuck off so they they had like enough like fake evidence it's just the snowstorm caught up that fake story
1: and 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 they even tried to make it non-gender specific because they said it was a short dark man with a womanish voice right they really did it could have been literally like yeah any person um, and so, yeah, and they didn't, cause you could see, especially like in America, if somebody had, cause this has been done where people were like, it was done by random black person, right? Cause that's been trying to throw around, but these guys <laughs> over and over again, it wasn't me. It was right. black man
0: insert here, random description, right? No, but they literally here they didn't try to set up any one person or any person that could be like yeah that they could get the, and they and they made sure that they were far away from any sort of stop so like yeah they they I feel like they they did try to they did try to protect the innocent
1: right cuz it was just about punishing the one person and what's great about her solution is that it was well, the one person who organized the kidnap and murder of the child what's the problem about real life is that a bunch of bumbling idiots who kidnap try to kidnap because they're like this is a great way to make easy money accidentally kill a kid Ugh. you know like it's a horrible story in and there's not even like yeah we want to punish these people but also it's unsatisfying because they killed by accident right
0: right and like yeah and like it doesn't get the kid back and like ugh.
1: so anyway um uh so it's an interesting um Agatha's story i don't know how much she took from real life because i told you what i know you know like in the public media about it was the two rich people i don't know how much of a staff they had uh, I know they were rich, um, but uh, the Lindbergs. I mean, he talked about running for president. I mean, he was one of those, like, he was yeah, so... Yeah, probably was um, a decent staff. I mean, um, no, it's realistic. and I. But when it comes to it, it,
0: I mean, so far in the reading, I think this is the most ingenious plot. And the most, again, I feel like her building Proro as a character... At this point, and again, like we've had some low points. Again, I as we're fairly early on, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we've had some low points with me and my relationship with Praro. <laughs> where like we've had the big four, we've had the one, like the last one where he, you know, just missed it, didn't mm-hmm. didn't figure it out, and all the things. So I feel like this book is where like he's on his A game, she's on her A game. Like the plot is brilliant, and I love it. Like we talked about, when you go back and you and you can see the breadcrumbs that she leaves for you that you didn't see, but when you go back, it's like that's like this that's what's so fun about the the really good ones, is like you read it the first time and you're like, what the hell's going on? And then you get the solution and then you go back and you look for the breadcrumbs that she dropped for you. So it's like you get it, you get like it's it's like it's you get two reads. Right. So you get right. the first read where you're like trying to figure it out and you're trying to outsmart her. Right. And then you get the solution and you're like, aha. Okay, now I you know the solution. So you go back. You're like knowing the solution and you're looking for the breadcrumbs. And it's perfect. It's perfect in the way that's executed when you like are looking for the breadcrumbs and you're like, aha, I see, I see that and I see that and I see that and I see that and I see how I can see how Praro got there. And
2: you didn't have the insider really- information
0: about the case but it really does feel like it's—it's it's just and like again, having you giving me the historical context makes to me even more smart,
1: right? And what she does is that when she sets it up at the beginning, and all of these people seem like random strangers who are just on a train together, who are having random conversations, mm-hmm. right? so the italian guy's having a random conversation with one of the americans and the british guy uh, but they all give each other alibis right and yeah she sets that up so
0: like mm-hmm. someone who has no connection with another person is like yeah he was in his his you know room
1: all night or we were talking about politics for the those couple of hours or we were Right. right but it's
0: always someone who like has no connection to you who actually might dislike you based on ethnicity or other things but gives you an alibi so yeah it was it was so smart like the plot was so well done and proro comes off as like i see why he's the master like you see why he's proro in this book because a lot of because th- a lot of the other books they refer to his reputation as a master and you may or may not right. see but
1: it. He's not- he doesn't necessarily right, prove right. it in
0: the book we're in. And he does sometimes. But like, this was the book where I was like, she's back in love with him. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like she and Praro had their moments in this book.
1: It's so good. Right, right.
0: Because a lot of what well, he does is guess. It- like, he does a lot of deducing. Okay, if all these people met in America around this case, I'm just going to try to like, take a wild stab at like who you would have been in that household. Okay, German's the cook. French is the maid, and like he, and then
1: the, you're the governess. Yeah, yeah. He goes yeah. into all these things, and, the and then he just
0: talks to them as, a, as if he already knows, and then they all kind of break down. And
1: a la Perry Mason. Right? <laughs> Although the Perry Mason books were written in the '40s, so after right. this, which again, that's why she, she's the I, master. She's the source I, of a lot of this stuff. How much was Perry Mason copied off of? her crew paro i could imagine right and that's i I mean i think that's why she's
0: fascinating to read because of all the challenges that we have with certain things but like she you know after sherlock holmes she's source material for a lot of what we still consume yeah yeah i mean look at the movie was so made recently and i i i think like you said i don't it's not fun because it's about child death but it's a really, really, really good book and it's a really, really good plot and I don't hate Praro, which helps.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think if it is about, like, because it is about child death, the fact that the visceral satisfying thing of somebody, as somebody who, as I said, the reason why I could watch those two Tarantino movies was because I was like, I really hate slavery and the you know holocaust so watching you kill them on screen i am enjoying that i'm enjoying that does that make me a bad person because i'm enjoying that right, like you right, know right, like right. um so and honestly i think i got the most joy out of
0: picturing so like this princess oh here we go again princess oh drug Drag- Drag- gomerov her sister gomeroff they're describing her as ugly but also as very frail so like when they're because she was actually the way that the people who did it set it up is that she was actually one of the most highly suspected people because she obviously was too weak and frail to do it she was old and weak and frail and so she couldn't have really killed the guy um and so they left the most clues about her when they were living the red right. herrings because like obviously she was too weak to do it but because all of them stabbed the guy for me honestly her getting her stab in was one of the most for some reason for me satisfying things because like even though she was old and female uh, or feeble no, oh, i didn't mean to make that freudian mistake <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sogeny, leaking out oh even though she was not strong and old she got a stab in and like clearly her little weak stab wouldn't kill the guy but she got to stab him and like like you said am i a bad person for like enjoying that visceral moment for her but like he killed her godchild and or the you know the son of her her god's yeah
1: like i guess yeah yeah. so basically both daughter in the in the in agatha's books it was a daughter in the real life it was a son but yeah like right yeah And,
0: and so like for her even though like she obviously wouldn't be powerful enough to kill a man she got to participate and killing him and she got to get a stab in and like that sounds really terrible to me but like there was a visceral part of me that for some reason i guess for her because she was the weakest oh,
2: interesting. and like the, the, that
0: the, like because they talked about because they talked a lot about the different stab wounds and how some of them were like barely you know super weak and wouldn't have done anything and the other ones were like deep and whatever and so me picturing her getting her little stab in like I contributed to this like for some reason there was something so visceral about that because there's times when we feel physically unable to do the strong like the the thing that you know and I and yeah, I know like, I know there's times when we feel physically overpowered or we don't literally don't have the manpower or the you know, but strengthen our bodies to fight back or to, you know, so I thought this, this, this old, you know, really weak woman, I was picturing, you know, a very small grandma's woman, like getting a stab at this bad guy. And it was for some reason, that was so satisfying.
1: Yeah, no, I can see it. It's interesting. Cause my feeling about visceral reactions about revenge, about the Holocaust or slavery, this one I have a different reaction now after being a mom than I did the first time I heard it. Oh yeah. Interesting. Cause I have less like revenge feelings and more just like, I, I, you know, I can't even process feelings. Like, you know, if the, if a child dies, I, I couldn't even. Right. And the, the there is no revenge. winning. Like you still, everybody lost. Yeah. Everybody lost. So it's an interesting thing. Cause um yeah
0: no i definitely had that too uh, like everybody lost and like at the end of this i I kept picturing because the um, i guess she still does have one living daughter because the countess was her daughter but the 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 obnoxious american character that the american actress was playing kept talking about her daughter my daughter said this and blah 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 and then and then at the end when you find out that her daughter's actually the dead woman I was right. like, oh, but your daughter's dead. And like you were playing the character. Right. But then
1: she does have the one living daughter of a countess. But still. Right. But she was but she was probably imagining what would her daughter be doing, you know, yeah. like
0: And like in the end of the day she could have they, they all feel, you know, this guy
1: died, but like they didn't get anything back. Right. Everybody in that family is still dead. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, I don't know, because it, because I wonder, it's almost like a therapy through. I mean, Agatha Christie was a mother. Yeah. And, you know, like when she heard that story about what happened, um, her children by that point were um, adults, I think. but you know, uh, yeah, you know, like when you're writing this kind of thing is it like therapy of like I want you know want to hurt I want to right. I want to finish the story with somebody getting punished yeah, you know yeah. so yeah our uh, now it's got our, our, our last part of this has got super dark.
2: I mean it's a dark
1: ass book. It's not our fault. (laughs) She's the one who brought child murder into it. We didn't do
0: that. Yeah. That's the topic. It is it is dark. Yeah. Yeah. So but it's a masterful book. I I think I think okay, so especially knowing that it's like ripped from the headlines. It's so well done you know what i mean like she could have like phoned it in if it's ripped from the headlines but i think that like the way she constructed a plot around that and yeah i mean
2: it's just
0: it's it's masterful i think i i don't again i always like say if i want to say these things but then i you know i haven't read forward enough to know like where i think but i feel like this might be one of the smartest because And I I get that's probably why it's been remade so much into movies and stuff. It's because it's just like, it's fascinating. And the twist is fascinating and the, everybody did it. That's not a common answer.
1: Right. Because there's a later one, uh, which has some other issues, but there's a later one where everybody dies. So we've got the narrator did it. Everybody did it. And there's a later one where everyone dies. Right. Which is also not supposed to happen. You know, so she really likes to like set up the trope, but then like, but for some reason
0: when she disrupts to- the trope, it works for me. Like it doesn't like, again, like I talked about how Shonda Rhyme's disrupting the trope, which is genius, but also like, I can't handle the hormones it causes in me. <laughs> 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 but she does it just enough to keep it interesting, you know? Like, so, yeah. Um, so
1: yeah so, okay so yeah.
0: you brought up the porsche scale which we have off pod talked about the fact that we've forgotten the porsche scale because we are forgetful and we drink wine when we record but so starting from this book what Gosh. is your
1: porsche scale because it's really interesting because pre-parent porsche two years ago porsche actually no pre-pregnant porsche so Let's go back three or four years, Portia. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. This probably would have been a eight. Ooh, okay, okay. Post parent Portia is like putting it at like a four.
0: Oh, but I. Th- so the topic I th- brought it down a lot yeah. for you. Right. Yeah.
1: Just because it it makes me I can't just casually be like let's talk about this, but also there's a dead baby, right? Yeah. Like, no, that makes sense. That 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 tracks. Yeah. So, but, you know, I asked other parent friends of mine how soon it will be that I could actually watch shows again where violence happens and children are around. And, you know, I, 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 it might be 10 more years. And, or maybe never. Actually. And that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I did not expect that to happen. I'm not saying I should be like callous about it, but
0: okay okay so so pre-kids porsche eight post-kids porsche four four
1: yeah okay
0: okay so just for fun we're gonna we're gonna catch up on our porsche scale and this is gonna be rapid fire this is gonna be okay um we're just gonna do off the top so why didn't they ask evans
1: oh still love still love um i'm gonna say uh Ooh, was that a nine or a ten? Ooh, I'm gonna say nine and a half.
0: Nine and a half. Well, that's it's an excellent Ooh. book. Okay, okay. So White in the Evans is is going high. Lord Ed Lord Edgware dies.
1: that's like a five six. Okay, 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 okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't
1: know about for you, but yeah,
0: Mr. Quinn, our seventeen part. Series. <laughs> it's clearly, uh, ten for Amanda.
1: Ten for Amanda. For for Portia, it's more gonna be like. But a- this is
0: the Portia scale. Nobody asked about Amanda scale. Oh.
1: <laughs> we can start
0: on Amanda. Scale. No, I'm new here. Oh, I, I, I. That's the thing is you have to complete the body of work to under to have a scale. I'm still
1: okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Quinn is a seven.
0: Rude, but okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay i love how you're like it's all about you except for you're totally wrong exactly
0: that this is how our relationship works
1: <laughs> okay okay good yeah. you put
0: yourself out there and i'll shoot you down okay um okay yes okay 13 problems slash tuesday mm. night murders Ooh,
1: i actually really like that one i think i'm gonna put that as like uh i'm gonna say that's an eight it's so good Eight? no i'm gonna say I'm gonna say
0: nine. am so nine. good. So good. I agree. Okay. Yeah, I really like that okay. one. Okay,
1: Citiford Mystery. Ooh, I like that one too. I don't know. We talked about why I find that one satisfying. Um, I'm gonna say that one's eight and a half.
0: Okay, okay, eight and a half, eight and a half.
1: Uh, is, is that the last one we forgot to do? No, I'm going back more parallel parallel
0: in house. We might have done this one, but we'll we, we can check it against your previous rating Ooh, and see if parallel in house. Oh, yes, Ooh, that was the last time rough. we cut up on the Porsche scale. I have that in the description, so we'll see if you uh, are consistent.
1: <laughs> okay, because I haven't just talked about it, so I'm trying to remember, but oh god, that was good. We didn't gonna like that one low. that much no we didn't and um um gosh i'm gonna probably say four and a
0: half i
1: feel like i feel like that's consistent i know i don't have it written down but i feel like
0: that's consistent it was it was was in the four-ish range last time yeah yeah it's not bad but it's not a fun read it's not it's not
1: And and that's why this one, when I say that my post parent one is just because there is a little bit of triggering of like, but, but dead child, can we talk about, don't, but can we not, you know, like, so the enjoyment of the other stuff is kind of crowded out by that. Right.
0: So, but in the, in the same time, I would say in defense of it is like, we always talk about the fact that she kills an unpopular character, right? right? But he had to be unpopular enough that we were happy for twelve different people to stab him, <laughs> and not yeah. for them to be haunted for the rest of their lives, right? So the crime right. had to be bad enough, and that's why I think it's fascinating. It was a real life crime because I thought she just came up with like crime that's bad enough that I will not worry about this. This crime sitting on their souls, right? Right, because right, like right, old right. mean guy with a lot of money is like nor- her normal villains in these things are like old
1: mean guy, a lot of money, right? Right, which is why what Knives Out, it's right? Right, and so which, you're like, that's
0: well, yeah, I mean, not great, but did he deserve to get like stabbed over and over and over? And this guy, you're like, okay, child death, yes, he deserves that, like, but he like it has to be a nazi level character has to be a child murderer character has to be somebody who's so bad that you're like yeah all these people would want to stab that guy and i don't worry about the torture on their souls moving forward
1: well that's a good yeah yeah so it had to be
0: something as bad as child murder you know right 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 right
1: yeah yeah but
0: also still not a fun topic
1: right okay so what are we reading next portia So next is something I haven't read in a long time. So which probably means I didn't like it (laughs) because, uh, you know, if I read it over and over again, it means I liked it, but it's called the three act tragedy still published in 34. She published a lot of books. So I read this one ahead
0: and it's fascinating because it combines Mr. Satisf. Oh, I was getting so good
1: at it. Saturday, Mr. Who? Oh, yeah, yeah, Mr.
0: S and Probro. Oh,
1: yeah, okay, so okay, so
0: we will read read it it. it with that lens,
1: yeah, because I have not read this since like the first time, so I can't even remember the plot. It's not like some of these where I'm like, oh, I know this off the top of my head, Right, right? So that'll be a fun one. Yeah, so, uh, but another one published in 34. She wrote a lot of books. She was, 34. She was making that
0: money in 34. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, uh, so, yeah. So that's what we're doing next is the three-act tragedy. And
0: All right, we will see you. you guys next time on ProBropod. Pod.